Jump on the couch, pull on the doona, grab the popcorn on this week's That's Right, quick on Cinematic. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of the That's Rank podcast. I am Bob Bob, and this is my compadre, Liam. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Now, Liam. Yes, mate. Me and you, yes. we both met each other, didn't we? On a, a, at, we at some stage, yes. At some, <laughs> at some stage, we met each other, correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but let's talk a little bit. I want to kind of talk a little bit about where we met. Because sure. we both met you mm-hmm. know, over a mutual bond of, uh, well, I wouldn't say love of cinema, well, I mean, you love cinema. I love cinema. I enjoy it. And you, enjo- and you enrolled, and we both studied film and television. We did. And we both enjoyed that experience. Sure. And we both bonded over mm. a mutual love of, of, of Japanese cinema. What are we well, What we are here to talk about mm. is a film yes. which we both watched recently. That's right. And I saw it just pop up on, on my Google wall mm. thing. You know when you just go to Google and it gives you news articles? Yeah. This is when this film was first brought to my attention. Mm. It is a film called Kate. Kate. Currently on Netflix, That's starring right. Elizabeth Winstead. What's her surname? Uh, Mary Mary Elizabeth Winstead Olsen. Oh, is it twins? Is it oh. <laughs> Mary Elizabeth Winstead? Woody yeah. Harrelson, mm-hmm. Jordan Kunamura, who's, oh, yes. a, who's, a, who's an awesome actor. Who, there you go. Um, and it's a film about a assassin who's given twenty four hours to live because she's dosed with a, a, a poison, a deadly poison. Now, should we, let's do it from the, from the get-go. We probably should just put this out there. If you haven't seen Kate already, I mean, we recommend that you go and watch the movie because it's actually very, very good. Rob's just playing the trailer. Fantastic. Accidentally. That's fine. But, um, <laughs> but you know, there, there might be a few spoilers That's true. F- for the movie. But, um, well, I don't think we, we're not going to spoil the movie. We we're not going to spoil the movie. We're just going to say, go see it. Don't, don't look at the Metacritic score. Don't look at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Because well, I watched it and I enjoyed it. And I texted you and I said, you should watch this film. That's did right. You, did you enjoy it? And you know me. I'm you know, famously hesitant to watch any movie. At all, ever. <laughs> yes. It's my. It's. I feel it's my shtick now. Yeah. Like, the guy who doesn't watch movies. But I did what you just said, mm. and I checked the the Rotten Tomatoes score, the Metacritic score before yeah. I watched it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, "What does he want me to watch this for?" Yeah. yeah. Look, I won't lie. It's in the forty percent, right? Yeah, it's low. But you know what? Who the, who watches that movie? A movie like yes. Kate, an action, you know, kind of drama thriller kind of thing, and goes Oscar winner. Yeah. Very few people. That's not what we're looking for. I mean, I often wonder, I often look at those scores and I'm like, I would hate to be a critic. I would yeah. hate to meet a critic because yeah. they just, they, if they're they the, can't they're find... The, they're the worst people. If they can't find joy, <laughs> they are. Let's be real. <laughs> they're, not, they're not. I listen to a lot of great film critics. Of course. They and they have yeah. a lot of fun. And they, and they can enjoy They can enjoy simple pleasures of, of, of simple cinema, which is what I would put Kate in. I would put yes. Kate in just a bit of a, a bit of a lot. It's just a bit of a ride, really. It's a ride. Yep. And it, it's one of those movies you can put on. If, you, if you're having a, a pretty bad day mm. and you just want something to kind of take your mind off stuff mm. and just watch people just die. It's pretty good for that. It's definitely good for oh, that. My lots goodness of, me. Lots of uh, lots of violence, lots of stuff going on. It is, and but it got us thinking. We wanted to kind of lean into that a little bit for this rank this week. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I loved about watching Kate again was it reminded oh. me just how much I love Japan because it's right. in Japan. Many, if you listen to our podcast, you hear us talk about Japan. Listen, if you're if you're new here, <laughs> if you're new <laughs> here, get, get used to it. If you've been through with us through the spontaneous miscellaneous days, yeah, you know. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's you right. If, if you are new here, Rob and I did go to Japan together in 2009, I think it was. So Kind of where the foundation, the bonds of our friendship were forged. Absolutely. We, we lived in Tokyo for a bit. We worked on the farms in Okinawa. So we've got like a, a, a real kind of deep love for Japan. But I agree. That, you know, aesthetic that Kate, that, that neon kind of grungy part of Tokyo, mm. just, yeah, it got me too, man. And the streets, just like looking at a character walking in streets that you've kind of walked down that you Mm. know, you know, it just really, yeah, it makes you not homesick, it's because it's not home. Yeah. But it certainly makes you, uh, your heart fonder. Well, and it's it's funny because like when you said that like um, you see all these things, like the scenes that you've walked past, Mm. like my wallpaper on my computer is that, does that look familiar to you? Um, well, it looks like a, it looks like a shop in, in Tokyo or Osaka. It's it's basically a, it's a camera shop. But, it's a camera shop. But this this was but actually but great radio. For if you if you're listening, it's a, it's literally a photo of neon signs in Japan. That is in Shinjuku. Oh, and she and Kate runs past it in the movie, and I was just like, oh, oh hold on, in the movie she runs past yes, she your runs, screensaver. She does, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Did yeah. you take that photo? Uh, no. Can you post this photo on our Instagram so we can refer to it? I can. I, I have to find out who to credit for it. It is a very famous kind of corner in, mm. in Shinjuku. So, do you know what? I did take it. No, you didn't take it. <laughs> so, you credit it uncredited. You I'll, go, tell, I'll tell you, you what. Just, you make note of it in the, in, the, in the byline. I will find a similar photo that I have taken in Tokyo yeah. and I'll post that. The pressure's on now. I've got to find one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the keys tapping away because, yeah. you know, that's what happens when someone mentions a photo on a podcast. Oh, yeah, people checking to see if it's a... Uh, maybe, maybe. Legit. Well, look, let's hope that people will be doing lots of Googling as they listen to this podcast because, as they mentioned, mm-hmm. Kate, a film set in Japan. That's right. And it made, made us think about a rank, about a list. What yes. do we want to talk about? Well, we want to talk about our top three times... And actually, no, we should have had this conversation beforehand. Uh, it's, it's the classic... Uh, but I'm going to put this conversation the, live on air. It's the classic trope of the That's Ranked podcast. Yeah. Things happen on air. Things happen That on we air. haven't discussed previously. Right. Go on, hit me with them. Because I think it would be fair to assume, probably yes. because I've literally messaged it and wrote it out, yep. top three Japanese films. Right. Right? Is, yeah, that, that, what, is that what I said? Well, well, that's that's what you said, yes. See, I'm also thinking that I, I, I what I meant was... The top three times Japan was presented on screen. Japan? Which is the same, which is exactly the same. Well, don't, surely. Well, do, well, don't, I'm going to go back to the chat. Yeah, well, don't forget also as well, like you, you said, it was kind of like Japanese movies, Ryan, but that's the thing about this, uh, the That's Ranked podcast. We say it every week, is we don't discuss our lists with each other beforehand yeah. because it's how we interpret it. So if you say it's a it's a movies about Japan or Japanese movies, how we interpret that is completely up to us. And I think initially I thought Japanese movies about Japan, and then I started to refer to it as Japanese films. So I did get a bit specific, but I'm hoping that you'll you'll be you'll be generous to me, and you'll give me some uh, liberties. Absolutely with, not. With, with my, with my no liberties will be given. <laughs> I will, <laughs> there's very strict rules here, Rob. But no, there'll be there'll be liberties given. Do not worry. Good. I mean, I'm I, m- liberties. Uh, perhaps I need liberties also. Oh, you know, you don't know. No, I don't know. Exactly. I've got no idea what your list is going <laughs> to be. And if I know you, mm. you're, you're going to be taking liberties. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's how I do these lists. Yeah, me too. I stretch it. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And we want our audience to take liberties as well. That's right. So when we've when we're done with our podcast today, we'd love yeah. to hit, you hit hit us up. Yeah. Let us know what you know. What three movies are. Uh, are your favourites? We're yes. on on Twitter. Uh, that's rank pod. Actually, it's that, that's rank pod on everything. Actually, 
Excellent. Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, that's rank pod. You can get us at all of those things. So yeah, send us a old DM or yeah. a um, or an electronic mail. Yes, and we want to find out a what your top three lists are. Absolutely, but also any ideas for future lists, yep. any feedback, any stories. Yep. Any quips? Just get in touch. It's a conversation as well. So get in touch with us and yeah, yeah. let us know your thoughts. That's right. But don't tell us our lists are wrong because we we're very sensitive about that. <laughs> no liberties will be taken at all. Liberties never be taken. Liberties be down. This is not the land of liberty. Absolutely not. Like feudal Japan. That's right. This is a land of order. <laughs> well, not even feudal Japan. Kind of now Japan as well. <laughs> but it's, there is something about watching uh, cinema, the power of film, the power of the screen. Yeah. To really call into our own lives, take us back to places, even if we've never been there. I love watching other parts of the world displayed on on, on film, and it makes me want to go there. Absolutely. And I love seeing other other places. I just love it. Yeah. You know, it's the vibrancy of it, it's not particularly in these lockdown days, these mm-hmm. quarantine days that mm-hmm. we so that we all live in. That's right. It's great to be able to experience different places um, the virus screen. And look, I must admit, like I I have watched most of these movies on my list quite recently. Like I was right. quite uh, unfortunately quite ill last week. You were um, a bit of a bit of a cheeky tonsillitis, which mm-hmm. I haven't had for God knows how long. Um, did you get the old nostril exam? Did you get the old uh, the old co- swab? The old swab? I did not. Oh no! Should I have? Yes. Ah, yeah. Generally, you should. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming it's fine. Uh, did you take? Um, okay, maybe. Did you take three days off work? Did you, don't you need a medical certificate? Yeah, I got medical certificates. Did you have to pay to go to your GP? Of course. Well, there you go. What do you mean? If you'd got your COVID swab, they would have given you a med cert for free and you would have had a screen test for, for COVID. Well, you know what? Now I'm just learning how to get out of work for free next time, which is good. <laughs> you give me all the hints. I appreciate that. My pleasure. My pleasure. So <laughs> if, you, yeah, if you don't want to get to work, just go and get an old, the old swab up the, the swab. I don't, I, I've had those before. I'm not too fussed by them. Yeah. You know, some people don't handle them very well. Yeah. Anyway, off topic. <laughs> very much so. I was watching those um I was watching some Japanese cinema sure. last week in preparation sure. for today. Yeah. Mostly movies that I have already seen because yeah. I just wanted to make sure that they were good, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but there's one in particular that really just really just just puts me in the in the mood. Really? Oh, it puts me in the mood. Really? I look forward to hearing about oh, that. Oh yes. Oh yes. Any honorable mentions sir, before we start? I've got I got 3 just real quick. You've got 3? Yeah, I got 3. Uh 2016's Shin Godzilla. So that was ah. one, that was released quite recently. It was an updated take on the you know the classic. Yeah, um, amazing movie. Like amazing movie. A lot of social commentary around um, around like what to do in crisis situations ah, and yeah, who's right, who's yeah. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, audition. Well, actually, my other two movies are both Takeshi Miike films. Ah, yes. Now you're familiar with Takeshi Miike. I am. He's, he's a character. He comes up in my honorable mentions as well. Does he now? Mm. So there's two. One's called Audition, mm-hmm. and the other one's called Ichi the Killer. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Both both are you know not for the faint of heart. Let's just no, put it that way. No. But both both tremendously graphic and tremendously gory films mm. and, and gripping. Audition is probably more of a slow burn mm-hmm. as as the movie goes on. Like you kind of just follow this story and it's a bit more of a psychological thriller. Yep. And then the last part of the movie, you're like, oh oh, that's a bit gruesome. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Itchy the Killer is just might Straight I say, oh, it's it's I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a swear. 
it's fucked from go to woe. Swear jar. Oh, yeah. So but those those are my three mm. honorables. They didn't quite make the list. They were very close, but they didn't quite make it. I had, a, I had a few. I had a few. And Takeshi Miike both also came up on my list. And I was going to introduce it that it wasn't the ones that he was known for, Audition and Itchy the Killer, which are probably more his trademark films yes. because they're just pretty, pretty far out there. Oh, yes, they are. But I really, he had this little phase like a decade ago where he went through this little kind of classical phase, like mm. 2013, 12, 15, 16, somewhere around there. He released a couple of films, uh, 13 Assassins oh, yes. and Hari Kiri. Okay. And both of those films, excellent. Very much classical, old kind of style, almost a Kurosawa kind of style, mm. you know, just that traditional Japanese cinema, mm. very much old school feudal Japan. Yep. And that was excellent film. Because I, I guess furthering on from my honourable mentions, yes. you know, I do also like the old school Kurosawa stuff, you know, like the film school stuff, the Seven Samurai and the Hidden Fortress and the Rashomon. Well, that's what I was about to say, that I actually haven't seen any Kurosawa, mm. which is well, probably bad. <laughs> not necessarily, because you, you have seen it. Because most oh. cinema comes from Kurosawa. Is that right? You know, the, uh, yeah. I think if you look at the evolution of... Uh, 60s cinema, mm-hmm. first in France. Yep. You know, it kind of started in Japan, then it went to France, then it went to America, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then alternative independent cinema was kind of born, you know, back in back in those days. And it kind of stemmed a lot of from Kurosawa's storytelling. I should still go back and watch. I have to, I have to go watch them. Seven Samurai is the classic, right? That's yeah, the, that's yeah, the, the yeah, classic. Yeah. But even Rashomon and stuff like that, the way yeah. they played with some of those ideas, concepts of time and things like that and morality. Mm-hmm. You know, the French New Wave was all in all in on that stuff. The way it played with editing and, mm-hmm. and, and, and stuff like that, you know, cutting, cutting around all over the place. Do you know what? Sometimes when we speak about film, I yeah. realise how much more you like film than me. <laughs> <laughs> but the reality is, I, I, you know, the reality is, I don't get home on a Friday night and go, "Oh, I, want, I can't wait to watch Seven Samurai or French New Wave." No, I've seen very few French New Wave films because every time I put them on, I'm like, oh. <laughs> like I don't, I don't actually enjoy them. Or I, like I like hearing about the history of it, sure, but sure, I don't sure, sure, sure. necessarily, no, fair like love watching the films. Yeah. Some good moments in some of them, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, some of those films. Look, uh, the Takeshi Kitano, mm-hmm. he may come up a little bit later on as well, but he's made some great films. So Zatoichi and Brother were a couple of films that I enjoyed of his. Zatoichi nearly made mine as well, yeah. Uh, there's another filmmaker called Kirojazu Korida who made a film called Nobody Knows, mm-hmm. which is a really heartbreaking kind of family drama, mm-hmm. which if you have a penchant for some tragedy and some heartbreak but filmed in a beautiful way, then I would suggest checking out Nobody Knows. Or a more recent film he made, Shoplifters, of a similar kind of tragedy vein. Again, probably not something that I'm selling to most of the audience. One of those films that you get to at the end and you're like, oh, God. Mm. But beautiful film. Um, so they're, they're my honorable mentions. Very good. Well, shall we kick into our actual, actual lists proper? I'll go first and shall I? You go first this way. Yeah, that's you, right. You went first last week, so it's my turn. My turn. And this... Then my number three is where I take my greatest liberty. Oh, straight away. Straight away. The statue, here it is. Straight away. Because I really wanted, firstly, when I put this list out there, Japanese films, mm-hmm. we started to narrow the list down. And it went from Japanese films to live action Japanese films. That's right. And that was on my request because if we did, if we included yeah. animation, yeah. I'd be here for. It's a good idea. I'd be for years. We'd need much bigger lists. Yes. And it's a totally different, you know, Japanese animation. Mm-hmm. Is such a different kind of world in the law of the sun. It's a whole new episode. And quite frankly, I wouldn't want to cut ourselves short by not giving us the opportunity to do that. Agreed. In a separate rank. Absolutely agreed. So. Yes. Then I realised that one of the films I wanted to reference was not even Japanese. (gasps) 
It was just set in Japan. Okay. And that's when I was like, oh, can I broaden the scope? And I didn't consult with you. I just decided in my own head to broaden the scope. Fair enough. And then I realised that my number three is not even a film, but a TV show. Oh, God. <laughs> but it's Japanese on the screen. This is, this is Liberty's Beyond Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a once-off series. Hibana Sparks. Oh, Hibana Sparks. Yeah, Hibana Sparks. I will allow you that liberty then. Because you Thank know, you, yeah, because you know, you know me. I love that show, and it's an exceptional show. It is. It really blew me away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember when I saw it, you were living in in Sydney. Yes, and I decided to come over and, and take a holiday. Very kindly, so. And I stayed. I stayed in your in your house. That's right. And I got off the plane with a cold. Oh. And that 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 evolved into a, an ear infection. Did it? Which gave me vertigo. This is how much I care about you. I didn't even know. <laughs> I thought you were fine the entire time. I was on time. antibiotics for the first couple of days. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible person. I'm so sorry. And yeah. um, so obviously I'm there in New South Wales, but I'm also sick. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to just play it, take it easy. Sure. I watched uh, Hibana Sparks. Yes. And it's a, sh- it's a show that's all about the manzai comedy scene. That's right. And, and, and a fascinating, fascinating insight to Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Fascinating insight into Japanese television. Yep. Fascinating insight into just this, this, how hard and tough it is to try to make a career in Japan as an entertainer. Fascinating. It's you know, so Manzai is this really traditional but very mainstream approach to comedy. Pretty much every comedian in, in Japan has a Manzai partner. That's right. Yeah. Which yeah. is when you you're a partner with somebody. Yeah. And what's really startling is that in the in the film, like they're kind of partnered up. And they're stuck with each other. Yes, because you can't actually change your partner. I think it's more that's that's kind of that respect thing that the Japanese have for one another. It's kind of like no yeah. matter what, you and me, we're in this together. We're in this together. And there's always the straight man. There's always the funny man. Yeah, you know yeah. which which one are you? Are you the straight man or the funny man? Um, I'm the funny man. In- straight man. Incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the straight man. I knew I was the straight man. Oh. But just beautiful. And again, it goes back to when we are watching Kate and we just took us back to being in Japan. Hibana Sparks just does all of that. Well, it's because it's it's also set, like the, the setting of Hibana Sparks is very, very, like, quote-unquote, normal. Like, you, you, Kate's is very much Tokyo turned up to 11 kind yeah, of, you know, 100%. neon crazy. Yeah. Whereas Hibana Sparks is set in more of that Yakuza. suburban yeah. areas and explores a lot of those real stories that are of Japan that you don't really... You don't see a lot of. You don't. In fact, I've, it made me think when I watched about the Sparks, I'm like, well, we don't see enough of this stuff. We don't yeah. see enough of this side of Japan. Maybe it doesn't, doesn't come out of Japan. Maybe they're making it, but it's, it stays more local and in soap operas and things like that. But then, yeah. you know, shoplifters and nobody knows. There is a, there is a Japanese realism yes. in the cinema, and this was kind of an extension of that. But it was on Netflix. It's yes. just a show that sits on Netflix. Oh, it was one of the best TV shows I've seen. And I, like I remember at the time, I was blown away. I, I've watched Himana Sparks through a few times um, because it's just one of those, like even down to the soundtrack, like everything's just so perfect. It just yeah. works together. Yeah. It's it's harrowing. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's happy. Yeah. It's everything. Like yeah. you go through this entire roller coaster, and like you said, like these kids, you know, they're trying to get their start in, in comedy, yeah. and they're started starting from the bottom and yeah. trying to work up through those ranks. Tough work. Very tough. It reminds me of a... And what happens when they finally make it? Are they happy? Are they happy? Are they happy? Spoilers. No, I didn't say anything. Well, you can't say, but it's a good question. Yeah. It takes me back to a, you know, one day they'll be making up a a Japanese television show about two Australian uh, podcasters. Absolutely. Starting 
Starting so, out from scratch. Yeah, it's already in pre-production. Trying to grit and grind their way to <laughs> a podcast, ranking things. That's right. Starting in the humble lounge room. Humble lounge rooms. Yes. Humble abodes. Kitchen benches. That's right. And we eventually worked up to we. It's not about us at all. Um <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter, but but no, Ibana Sparks like I'm going to allow you that one liberty. Hey, just on that note, if we work ourselves up to celebrity status in Japan, yes, I will take that. Yes, any day of the week. Yes, if I can be famous in any country, mm-hmm. rich and famous in any country, big in Japan. No, well, okay. Look, we did say movies. Yep, I'm going to call you out a little bit on this. Okay, fair enough too. A little bit because we did say movies, but I think you tugged on my heartstrings and you knew. You knew that I would let you have that one because it's I knew so you'd good. let me have it, Banner Sparks. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd let me have it. <laughs> I knew there was no pushing back on that one. No. Like I knew if I mentioned it, you'd be right. Hook, line, and sinker. And look, and and to be honest, like that is actually one that I would recommend to people to go and and, and watch. Yes. It's on Netflix. It's like it's it's there. Yes. It's available to anybody. And if we're doing this for any purpose, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it can be good to promote stuff like Banner Sparks, and maybe not a lot of people have seen. Well, I also think there's a bit of a hesitancy to watch not not just even like just foreign things in general. Yeah. I find, yeah. But Hibana Sparks is it's a beautiful story. It really is. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bong Joon Ho, who made Parasite, yes, um, and who you know is quite has now become a very renowned director. You know, yeah. that's his that's his major thing. Parasite is pretty like, good. Get over that. Get over the one and a half centimeters of subtitle. It's not. A, it's not a wall. No, it's not a wall keeping you out of his story. You know, and honestly, every time you watch something that's subtitled, you, within thirty seconds, you just get used to it. Is it bad that I question the um, the smarts of people who don't want to watch movies with subtitles? So this is a story. <laughs> yeah. When I was working at a film school, yeah, I walked past a student, and I'm like, "Oh, you should go check this film." And he's like, "No, I don't watch. I don't watch anything with subtitles." And I was like, "What are you talking about? You're, you're a film student. You're a student of cinema. Yeah. You're here to learn about cinema. Yeah." How can you be like just skipping out and, and avoiding this whole big part of it? He's like, no, no, it's done with the subtitles. I was appalled. Yeah. So no, I don't think let any less of you for for questioning people who don't even give it a go. Yeah, well, that's true. You know, you gotta give things a go, don't you? You gotta give things a go. You're missing. Well, I think at the end of the day, look, the older I get, the more I'm just more accepting of people. I'm just like you, just do you, just do you, whatever you do, just do you. But I'm just gonna send a message. Accept. But, but, but I would say to them, <laughs> yeah. You don't have to watch subtitle films if you don't want to. Sure. But you're missing out. You're missing out on some great stuff. That is and, true. And if you just get over that. I'm not too sure what it is. Do you, reckon, do you reckon it's the case of like people having to look down and then up down, uh, at, the, at, the, at the screen, like the, their peripheries haven't quite adjusted to being able to read the line at the bottom of the screen or read that and then look back at the picture that, and seeing what's happening? I, I don't quite understand. But the thing, I don't, because what amazes me is that when I'm watching something that's subtitled. Yeah. I always go, oh, it's subtitled at first, right? Yeah. I mean, how long does it take before you just forget you're watching anything subtitled? Oh, no, it's, like, it's yeah, it seamless. It becomes seamless yeah, yeah. after seconds, minutes. Yeah. Before you know it, you just, you're able to simultaneously like comprehend the words and view the whole screen. You get, right? involved, you get involved in it all. Yeah. You, get, you get enveloped in the whole story. You get involved yeah. in everything. And just like, and you, I agree with you. you. It's kind of like second nature after about it becomes the five, five, five minutes. Because if you're just sitting there reading the words yeah. and not looking at anything going on, then you're not, there's no point watching a movie. Yeah. But it, it's kind of become second nature. How it's, many people you reckon got like five minutes into Hunt for Red October and thought, I'm not watching this. It's all subtitled in Russian. And then... <laughs> And then Sean Connery's just like, and then just starts talking regular Back shit. Back when I was a child, the streets of Glasgow. 
The submarine is going down further. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, man. Oh, if you gave up a hunt for a duck's you, 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 you're missing out on one of my greatest, my favourite films of all time. If you're giving up on Hunt for a Duck's because of the subtitles, there's no hope for you. There's, there's no, no hope. There's no you. hope for you. There really, really is no hope <laughs> for you. Good riddance. Good riddance. Good riddance. Good riddance. <laughs> Rob. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh. Well, any, anything else to add about Hibana Spark? No, just on Netflix. Well, yes. it was on Netflix, so I hope it still is on Netflix. I believe but it is. It should be around somewhere. I, because it's a Netflix show, I believe they just kind of get. They, they just, just keep it up there. They're just there. Oh, well, let me let me jump into my number three then. Please do, sir. And this is actually might be a little bit of recency bias, right? Because it was one of the movies that I watched when I was ill last week, right? And for the first time, uh, Takeshi Kitano, who you, yeah, absolute legend. Oh, classic. Take- if anyone knows Takeshi's Castle, which I think most people have heard of Takeshi's Castle either through like the mm. really bad dubbed mm. versions, Takeshi Kitano. Is Takeshi from Takeshi's Castle? Mm. So one, the one and same. Yeah. So he used to be a um, a, a comedian, uh, a, a Munza comedian, actually. Does he have a partner? Does he? He does. He's called Beat something, um, Upbeat or something like that. Really? Yeah, I can't remember what exactly what his um, what his uh, what his duo was called, but he was a part and probably still is in some capacity part of a, a comedy comedy. Well, he would have to be, yes, otherwise he'd dishonor. That is true. Himself and his partner, unless his partner is dead. <laughs> <laughs> In which case, completely fine. You can move on. <laughs> but um, a, a, a 1997 movie called Hanabi, which is basically the Japanese word for fireworks. Uh-huh. Kitano had a uh, an accident when in, I think, 1994, I think he had an accident where he crashed his scooter, basically, which, which injured him. Inj- he got a brain injury from it. Took oh. him a couple of years to actually recover from it. Really? And changed his entire style of how he acted and how he did anything. And Hanabi was like one of the very first movies that really explored that new this new side of him, mm. which was basically he became known as the silent the silent actor. Yes, I reckon in Hanabi, I reckon he has ten lines of dialogue. Wow! In the yeah. entire movie, yeah. and he's just very very silent. The movie's basically about me- mental struggle. Um, you know, he's an ex cop mm-hmm. who's trying to find his way through the rest of his life. His wife is unfortunately passing away. He lost his daughter to illness when she was really young. And he turns to some, you know, he does some silly things towards the end to basically make his own life better. Now, I'm, I'm trying to kind of tip. I'm, try, I'm trying to tiptoe around. Silly things to make his own life better. Yeah. He's a rebel without a cause. He, he, he's a cop off the leash. Basically is. Yeah. <laughs> so he's a retired cop, right? Yeah, yeah. One thing he does is basically this guy, um, he goes to this uh, car yard. Right, and this the guy who runs the car yard is this like brute of a Japanese dude. He's just like an absolute asshole to everybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. This young this young kid brings him a um a taxi and says, "I'll sell you this taxi for you know fifty thousand yen." Sure. And the guy's like, "You clearly stole it. You know, get out of here." He's like, "Nah, fifty thousand dollars." And he just chases this kid away. Just goes, "Get out of here," and then keeps the car <laughs> and then sells it <laughs> to Takeshi's character in the movie, ah. who then turns it into a cop car. Now. There's, there, there's, there is one kind of downfall for doing this podcast, and that's trying to discuss the movie without giving too much of the plot away. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. But the beautiful thing about this movie is it's all set, again, in suburban rural Japan. Yes. Lots of beach scenes, lots of like small town scenes, because essentially he escapes with his wife who's on mm-hmm. her last legs out and just wants to show her a good time towards the end. So you've got the snowy mountains. You've got like picturesque views of Fuji. You've got the, you know, they take some takes to the beach. They're flying kites, all this kind of stuff. But intertwined into all this kind of 
you know, beautiful scenery and stuff like that is this kind of darker story of his dealings with the Yakuza and the, the gangs and his old police team who were trying to find him mm. for doing all the things that he'd been doing, mm. you know, in these last days. But I think that what really got me about the movie was the fact that it is so, it's so quiet. Mm. Like there's not, the dialogue is so sparse, but when it's used, it's used like perfectly, perfectly, mm. perfectly. Especially him. It's almost like you get tension, like listening, to, you're, you're waiting for him to say something. 100%. Like he's there with his cool glasses on, his cool set, like 90s, 1990s shades, you know. Mm. From the accent, he has his tick in his face, so his face is always moving, even though yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. Inv- involuntary. That, and that was the stalwart of all the, a lot of his characters. He's always got some kind of facial tick. Yes. You know, he's always playing, he's always doing some click or some some wink or something. Is that part of his... That's uh, from the accident. That's from the accident. That's from the accident. I was going to yeah. say. So some of his later movies, like even like Zatoichi and stuff like that, yeah. he, he still has that kind of yeah. that same thing, yeah. um, all from his accident. Wow. Yeah. But Hanabi is, is one of the movies that I'd heard so much about for ages. Yeah. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, oh, this actually ticks all the boxes. Now you, now you understand why. It's just amazing. Well, I, ha- I have found a copy of it. Oh, you have? And if you're looking for it, it isn't called Hanabi. Fireworks? It was Fireworks. Yeah. That, was, that seemed to be the, the best way to actually track it down was by looking at Takeshi Katana's Fireworks. And to be honest with you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mother trucker to track down mm. because like, for some reason none of the streaming services have it. You can't even buy it on like Apple TV, none, none of that kind of stuff. But you, but you would recommend it? If you can find it, I would recommend it for sure. Now, in an old podcast of mine, yes, whenever we uh, whenever we uh, discuss the film or something like that, we would we would do like a star system, okay. But instead of f- stars, we would take a concept out of the the film, okay. So, for example, we did Michael Jordan's The Last Dance, yep, and it was five basketballs or sure, five sure, 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 sure. You know, how many how many how many balls out of out of five? Two balls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so what should we do for for Japan? Ooh. What should be a, a star-based system for Japan? You've obviously, you've got Rising Sun. Yeah, you gotta, you got you to kind of stay away from the uh, the stereotypes, don't you? you got to stay like, away like, from... Like nigiri rolls or sushi. You know, you can't do that. Rising, rising Sun is fine because it's the land of the rising sun, right? It's the land of the rising sun as far as we know it. Yeah. I don't know. I, you know I, think, I think that's fine. I, I think, think it's fine. I think it's respectful. Yes. How many... How many rising suns? Like? Oh, one. Out of five, yeah, one, one, yeah, one terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. No, I, I, I would twist. I, yeah, no. This is M Night Shyamalanans. <laughs> Shyamalanans. That's wrong. That's rank. That's wrong. That's rank podcast directed by M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> no, this uh, to me, it's a solid mm. four. I mean, how how could it not be in your top your top three? Yeah, and not be you know at least a four. It's got to be a four. It's got to be at least a four. Do you ever go five? I'm hesitant to go five. I almost don't think I never. I don't think I ever go five. How can, how can you have a perfect film? Mm. You know, and what happens when you see it? Your head explodes. That per- <laughs> <laughs> Your head just goes blah. Done. Yeah, you got to have some room to move. Like you yeah. can, you can see like a great film. Yeah, but there's always a chance that a film so, be better. So you know, recently there was a, a movie. I think Paddington Bear Two apparently was like 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes for like oh, just it? the longest time. That's a great film. I'm not sure if it was a troll or not. Just like 100. percent It's a it's a great film. Both Paddington films are actually really surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. Yeah. They're, well, they're kids' films, but I think anyone yeah, can, anyone can get something out of it. But I wonder, like, but you you're right. 100 percent is like you're telling me this is the perfect movie. Yeah. Like this thing is perfect. Yeah. I'm always hesitant to go to the the full hundred because you know you can always pick something, right? You can always pick something out. You always can. Yeah. Moving on. 
Please. I have a feeling that my number two is going to be on your list. Oh. Because it didn't pop up in your honourable mention. Oh. So I'm wondering if it's your number two or if it's your number one. Oh. <laughs> well, if it's the same, then we'll discuss it together and then... And then we'll just say, well, okay. And it's by the same filmmaker. Who? Takeshi Katana. Beat Takeshi. It's from him? It's Battle Oh, no, he's in it. Battle Royale. My number two is also Battle Royale. You're number two. I'm mm. so glad it was number two. <laughs> so we can both concurrently discuss our number two, Battle Royale. Man. Which is almost as good as The Hunger Games. What do you mean almost as good? <laughs> I'll come over there and slap you across the head. Come here. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, if, if you well, watch The Hunger Games, you're like, oh, wow, such a great, such a great story. It's like it's literally it, – it's, there's no bigger rip-off yes. than Battle Royale. And, and it's funny because like I've described Battle Royale to some people yeah. before yeah. and they're like, yeah. what, just The Hunger Games? I'm like, "Not no, not just The Hunger Games. <laughs> I mean, yes, but, but, but this one came first. This one came first. Well, Definitely came way. first. Yeah. Oh, it's it's just it's just a masterful. It's a masterful film. Oh, but if you, but if you are familiar with the Hunger Games, yes, then you know you know what this film is about. Well, but instead of a PG version, you're getting a <laughs> like a, a Japanese version. Yeah. So it's a, you know there's it's a lot more kind of that, violent and gory, but it's just done with a lot more. I was going to say. Do you reckon that just that's all you have to say? It's like it's just a more Japanese version, and people know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, you know, there's blood, and there's blood, and there's knives, and there's blades. I guess I there's guess, guns. There's all sorts. There is. There's all sorts. There's mm. all sorts. There's a, a larger degree of violence, but but it's not actually about the violence that sells no. the film. It makes it a good film. It's no. about the quality of the storytelling. What? The tension is more. You, 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 it's better. I think the characters are more are more defined. They are. Um, the world in which it's set mm. is a lot more similar to the world that. That we that we kind of I, I personally found the world was a lot more not relatable but well, the, like, the Hunger Games world <laughs> than the Hunger Games world which is this kind of much more fantastical world oh yeah the Battle Royale world is just simple. like it's it's just like it's, simple. it's, it's a, a deserted it's world. a deserted it's island. island empty houses and and funnily enough like well the premise of the basically of the movie is that the the children are basically getting unruly in yeah. in a dystopian Japan that's true and basically the adults have to try and take control of the children again so they mm. create the battle royale act mm. which is essentially they choose one class at random from one school in mm. Japan mm. chuck them on a bus gas them all <laughs> yeah and then just drop them on the island this island Starts out at the abandoned school, yeah. which is where Katano first first shows up. Yeah. And basically he just says, hey, everybody, kill each other. Yeah. And then it's just like, all right, off you go. And they're like, no, we don't want to kill each other. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a huge internal battle. Like, do we do we kill our friends? Do we not? Yeah. If we don't, then, then, you know. Well, then we die. Yeah. Then uh, you know, sooner or later, mm. they start to the, – the, 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 the island gets smaller because it's developed into, well, into territories. And this is what – And it builds stakes because it inevitably encourages you to actually cross a line that you never thought you would, you would, you would cross. Yeah. But what's great about the film is that straight away, one of them is just like, damn, I'm in there. Yeah. Just boom. Yeah. <laughs> and there's another one who's just like, like – what? There's another one who tries to be like that and is so petrified of everything. He, he kind of runs with the gun. He's like, ah, and then falls over scared and then just runs away and then gets shot himself. I, it's quite sad. I remember the first time I watched oh, it. I was horrifying. just like, oh, because yeah, yeah. oh, you, you really you – know, they're kids. Yeah. And you actually develop some real sentimental attachments to, to, to some of them. Yeah. And no, no spoilers, but you know it gets pretty. It gets very real. The well, stakes in this film are yeah. very real. And fr- from like pretty much the get go, mm. like there's a very very small amount of kind of character building for the, the main kind of two or three people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they got into that kind of situation. Yeah, true. And then it's just 
bang, you're into it. And then the character is built on based on the response to the situation. Yeah. So the character is not about oh, characteristics and, and virtue and, and everything you are pre Battle Royale. Yeah. The character the characteristics are built from the action. Yes. And that's what makes any great action film yeah. is when the action is the storytelling, when the action is the words. Yes. And the action tells you who this person is and what they're doing and how they're choosing to live their life and what they stand for, what they don't stand for yeah. and how they respond to a crisis. Do you know what else borrowed, um, borrowed some, some life from Battle Royale? What's that? There's a lot of video games like your Fortnites, your Battlegrounds, all that kind of stuff. That's true. The idea of that kind of closing yeah. in kind of um, That's true. battleground, that battle arena. Mm. You know, in order to kind of, like you said, force your hand into mm. doing something that, you know, something drastic in order to survive. Mm. That's actually a very good point. Yeah. And, and and video games, because you're actually taking the action yourself, Yeah, it, it, it's, it's using that medium to kind of actually put you in that position a little bit. Yeah. Obviously in a, in a game, mm. but you're, it's that first person point of view. You're not watching something happen to somebody else. You're being encouraged to, to take it out on other people. Well, that's right. Mm. Yeah. And the best games, like The Last of Us, play with that dynamic to tell a bigger story and to find a bigger meaning. That's right. Mm. But the, and the, one of the things about Battle Royale is that, and you've touched on it already, is that kind of in that internal that internal struggle. They've all got friends. They're all friends. Like there's a group of really tight-knit people. Yeah. There's some of the outcasts and stuff like that who all go off and do their own thing and they try and survive by themselves. Mm. But for the most part, these guys are trying to work together. BFFs. 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 But that can only last so long mm. before they have to try and Work out, you know, who's gonna who's gonna be the one to move on from us? Who's gonna take the last uh, sandwich on the that's on, right. on the uh, the plate? That's right, and that's you know that's the extension. Yeah, who's gonna take the last snake in the lolly bag? <laughs> <laughs> that's the question. Who is it? And when you're at the workplace and someone takes the last scone, mm. make sure you're never stuck on them with them on an abandoned island in a in a death tournament. No, nope. because they will take you. They out. will take you out. <laughs> It's not even a question. It's not even a question. Not even a question. We have little battery hours all day. <laughs> we don't even realise. That's the beautiful thing about the movie. It's just so poignant to like a regular life. <laughs> it's right. it's yeah. so relatable. But even even the um even comes down to the um the, the, the necklaces that they all have to wear as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, there's an extra an extra extra layer of like, you know, drama and like if you don't make the choice yourself, yeah. they'll just blow your necklace they'll just blow your necklace up. They'll blow your necklace which up. Which happens, you know. So that's that's where it forces your hand. That's right. Mm. Oh, it's such a good movie. Such a good movie. And it's coming more common. I watched a film the other day called The Hunt. Oh, yeah. Which was about, uh, you know, the idea of, like, you just touched on. So in this case, teenagers taking each other out. Teenagers that hate each other, beat each other up and make each other, and they make high school life a living hell. Yeah. You know, kids are cruel, right? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of what the movie is. That's, that's what it's trying to encompass, and it literally just puts them in a death tournament. Right. So they have to actually attack each other. They have to kill each other, but it's... Going back to the same environment that we've all experienced in high school, not always the nicest environment. Like you've just touched on the workplace. Yeah. Is there a film about the a workplace where that workplace <laughs> is transported onto an island? The, the Hunt is about um, the, the, your 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 daughter in law. Right. So the family attacks the daughter in law effectively. Right. Um, and it's probably an extension of in laws. You know, people yeah. probably want to attack their in laws. Yeah. Normally it's the other way around, but some people would want to attack, attack, take on their in laws. You know, the, the dynamics of when we actually dislike people in real life, mm. those scenarios. What's the purge? The purge is similar. Yeah, the yeah. purge is kind of a similar dynamic, really, isn't mm. it? It's like, what do we, what do you really, I mean, different. So the purge is similar, but different. Oh. Same, same, but different. Same, same, but different. So again, there was like a rising issue of crime. Yeah. 
So the government says there's one night where anyone can commit any crime they want and won't be prosecuted. So it's a similar idea then. It's a similar that, idea. The government's kind yeah. of like, we have yeah. a problem. We we're have gonna, a problem. We're going to sort this out by yeah. y'all killing each other. Yeah, that's right. That's right. By having some kind of therapeutic space where you can work <laughs> through your feelings of hate and, and, and murderous rage. And then what happens out of that? Well, the purge exists. But so then in the purge world, outside the purge, it's very safe. Yeah, so basically so the idea is the entire rest of the time it's just like a a utopia almost like everything's super safe yeah, yeah. life is fantastic I think so but then it's just like a then it's not absolute free for all no, I've only seen the first purge I haven't seen there's, there's a whole bunch of other purges lots of purges so the, maybe I, maybe, the, maybe they expand that concept maybe they realise it's a flawed idea well much much like Battle Royale 2 maybe mm. they shouldn't have oh is there a Battle Royale 2 oh it's so bad not good it's not good I mean, sometimes you're just going to leave something alone Battle, have, Battle Royale yep our universal number 2 a universe number two. That is right. Yeah, for both of us. It's never happened before. And I'll, I'll lend you Battle Royale. whole two episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Unprecedented. We're touching new ground here. It's amazing. You will lend me Battle Royale too? I will lend you Battle Royale too, and I would like you to I'm watch it. I'm not going to watch it based on what you've just thought. <laughs> you I've only got so much time your, in life. Make your own mind up. You should I've only got it. so much time in my life. Do you know what? I'm actually quite intrigued because we know we, we were talking about before about how Kate, uh, Kate was quite a... You know, lowly, a lowly-rated film, low, poorly received. Poorly received. Let's see how Battle Royale Two ranks in the same realm. So 45 percent, roughly, was for uh, for Kate. For, for Kate, which I actually think is too low. I think it's way too low. I think it's too low. What would you, what would you give Kate? I'd give Kate a good three point two five Rising Suns. Okay, you three point five. Three point five. About the same. Yeah. Because you know it is what it is. You know you know exactly what it is. Yeah, I really had a good time of it, and I loved watching Woody Harrelson. Battle Royale Two Requiem, uh, 30 percent, thirty percent. Wow. Yeah, IMDb Kate forty two percent Rotten Tomatoes forty seven percent Metacritic. Why do they hate it so much? Gosh, it's, that's cruel. Oh, look, because the the plot was very basic, and the dialogue wasn't great. Mm. But that's not what it's about. Like, yeah. it's literally zero percent about. Oh, sorry. Like 5% about the dialogue yeah. and the plot. Yeah. The rest of it is about the aesthetic and, let's be real, the, vi- the violence. I, I enjoyed the plot, though. I enjoyed. Oh, yeah. I'm not uh, saying the plot was bad. The I'm just stakes of, yeah. of her character and what she was trying to get. And I'm not saying the plot was bad. It was just, yeah. you know, if, if you're going to be a critic. It's just been misunderstood. That's it. That's yeah, all it's it is. It's been uh, critic bombed, <laughs> which happens. Which happens. Bloody Netflix releasing too many movies they nowadays. Oh, no, but people get up, jump online, and they bots get on there, and they just bomb people's score intentionally. It's almost like nothing is real anymore. No, nothing is real, Liam. <laughs> nothing is real. So let's come around, bring it full circle. The man comes around. To our number ones. That's right. Well, I mean, because we had a shared number two, and we both had Battle Royale as number two, Right. I guess, sir, please proceed with number one. I mean, did you want to, because I led into Battle Royale, did you want to start with your number one first? We can switch it up for the last one. No. Okay. No, I think I think I think I'm I'm intrigued to see if uh, what your number one is and see if it's the same as mine. It's a very personal number one. Maybe not then. <laughs> I mean, it might be because mine's a very personal number one as well. So, and I just you know, and I think like if you were a true cinema aficionado, or if you were oh, here we go. Quite frankly, I don't. I'm, here I am. Doing, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that if you're Japanese and a lover of Japanese cinema, and you're listening to this top three, is oh, they're going to talk about Japanese film. Mm. I'm about to talk about an American film, and that may be <sighs> that may be something to some people. But 
the idea was at the top three times like at that film about yeah. Japan, right? I'm going to stop the you. Top though. three times Japan was on screen. Yeah, I'm going to stop you though because my number one is also an American movie. Is it really? Yes. Gosh, if number one's the same, that's crazy. I remember this was one of my most one of my most vivid experiences of sitting in a cinema. Uh-huh. It was early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I was studying film and television at the time. Mm-hmm. Go it's on. Kill, it's Kill Bill. Oh, of course. Mm. And like Kill Bill 2 I enjoy and, and I've since gone and done the whole Kill Bill double. But I remember watching Kill Bill in the cinema and just being like gobsmacked by it. Mm. Just absolutely blown away by Kill Bill. Can I be controversial? Sure. You've taken more liberties here. Have I? Because that movie is not entirely set in Japan. There's like one scene and one setting of that set in Japan. The rest of it's set in America and all that kind of stuff. There's only one particular the portion cli- of The that. climax is set in Japan. Of Kill Bill 1. Or two. Yeah, well, one, not, obviously not two. One. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll but it's that. a samurai film. She's a samurai character. It's based on samurai films. Okay. Okay. Uh, but you're right. You're right. <laughs> it actually is a lot of a lot of set in, in America. Yeah. And even more uh, <laughs> even more contentious <laughs> is that the second one is a vast majority filmed in China. Oh, is it? Yeah. 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 So I think um, that would actually cause some, some ripples because I'm not saying it's Japan. But it's Kill Bill 1. Yes. Okay, let's just talk about Kill Bill. Let's not talk about Kill Bill. Oren Ishii. Oren Ishii, that, that final climatic scene. But just the, everything, every moment of Kill Bill 1. Mm. I remember sitting in the cinema and just being blown away and, and knowing about Quentin Tarantino and watching his films and, and, and thinking, oh, yeah, this guy's you know great filmmaker. I can't wait to see what he does next. You know, I went to see um, Jackie Brown in the cinema and I enjoyed that. Kill Bill came out mm. and I just was like, oh, what's this? And at that point I hadn't really discovered much, just broadly speaking, Japanese cinema or even really any kind of kind of cult Asian cinema. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really explored or found any of that stuff. I was just kind of getting into the, the like the more American indie kind of film scene, really. Mm-hmm. And then I went and go and watched this film by a guy who just loves film and particularly loves Japanese film. Well, Battle Royale is famously one of Quentin Tarantino's favourite movies. Is it really? Mm-hmm. And like, and I just remember, like, was my jaw literally dropping? There's few, there's a few moments when I've gone to the cinema, and my jaw has actually dropped. But that was one moment when I was like, just I almost started clapping my hands at the end. I was like, gosh, mm. like every little touch along the way, the whole Okinawa sequence, yes, you know where they build, where they build the perfect sword, mm. um, Oren Ishii's rise to the top of the Yakuza, the, the, the manga sequence in the middle. Oh, that manga sequence, you know, is like amazing. transitioning from yeah. live action to manga back to live action. Mm. Like, it just absolutely blew me away. I loved it. Mm. And it's one of my favourite films. Yeah. So I had to kind of put it in this list. Absolutely. As, as, as right up there. But yeah. you're right. You're right. Um, technically speaking, it's a very loose interpretation of the rank. However, though, the parts that are set in Japan and all that kind of stuff are, 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 pretty, are pretty spot on. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the fight scene in the, the Japanese restaurant, yeah. is that in one or is that in two? That's in one. That is in one. So that's in uh, one. Yeah. So the vast majority of one would happen in Japan. She's riding around Teikari in a motorcycle. Yep. There's a Japanese uh, restaurant yep. scene. Yep, 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 yep. Um, you've got the yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it the yeah, yeah, yeah's or the – what's, what's the name of the band? Five, six, seven, eights. Five, six, seven, eights that mm. are playing, you know, like it's just it's, – and, 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 and Quentin Tarantino talks about how he found a lot of that stuff out when he was travelling through – Japan, like he yeah. got the inspiration for it being in Tokyo. I didn't like the second one as much, but I just I do still love them together as a film. But I just remember my experience with that first film. Part of the reasons why I think I've always wanted to make films as a result of that was yeah. those experiences. Well, do you know why the first one's better? It's because it has lots of Japan in it. <laughs> That's the only reason. And it has, the second uh, one's all America. Ooh. And Okinawa. And Okinawa. 
Yeah. No, that I mean, that's pretty special. Yeah. Although, even though, you know, this predated our Okinawan times. Predates our Okinawan times. Hattori Hanzo. But then when you rewatch it and it's got mm. the, what's the name of the beer? Not Asahi, it's got the... Um, Orion. Orion beer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got, like, they're wearing the Orion t-shirt. Do you know what's, do you know what's about Orion, Orion beer as well? It's like I see Sorry, it. Orion. It's Orion, it's Orion, it's fine. <laughs> you see Orion beer and like... It's 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 an okay beer. Like it's not like yeah. it doesn't. It's not you know change the world. But if I see it anywhere, yeah, I I have to. Have I, to have I it. must have it. Gosh. I must have it. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean Kill Bill is 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 is, is solid. Like I really I really enjoy Kill Bill mm. as well. Like it's one of my one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. Also, but I love that scene, especially when they do the um, in in that fight scene where he just makes yeah. everything black and white, and you know yeah. from the start. He, they pluck the eyes out, and yeah, everything yeah, goes yeah. black and white. Everything goes black and white, and then when he goes back to the backside, and, and, and they go to the silhouette scene. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, then yes. she takes it all the others, and then it's just the little kid. Yeah, and she spanks him with the samurai sword. Yeah, yeah. interestingly, yeah. black and white yeah. was a um, good old Harvey Weinstein initiative when they switched to black and white. Can you call him good old Harvey Weinstein anymore? No, you cannot. No, no. you cannot. But I was just, you know, he's a. A figure when you when you think back to a lot of those films, a lot of them came out of his studio. Yeah, and you look at you look back at who he is, who he was, and it does make you. I hadn't thought about this till just this moment. It makes you kind of question everyone <laughs> involved with him. No, I don't. But he basically said, "Too much blood. Um, make it black and white. Otherwise, it's never going to clear." Oh, I thought it was. A, I thought it was like a the ratings. I thought it was a um, a design choice from Quentin as an homage to one of his favorite Japanese films. That was the story that I that I was under the impression. of. I heard that it was it was a producer a producer note. Yeah. It was basically either have to cut it down or do something about it. And then I think maybe that's when Quentin went black and white because he was like, "Well, screw you, I'm not going to cut it. Yeah. I'm going to go black and white instead." There you go. That's my understanding. Your, I mean, you know, this is just the mythology. That's right. Who's to say it's right or wrong? No one. Only Quentin Tarantino. And he won't tell us. He's too busy looking at feet. He probably already has told it. He's probably told it several times, a million times on many podcasts because he loves to talk about film. He does like to talk about himself, does Quentin, and and his movies and stuff like that. He just loves to talk about his passion for film. He's a great great podcaster about film. Mm. He's an interesting voice as well. He's an interesting voice. Very interesting voice. Very interesting character. Liam. What's your number one? My number one is also, and I'm. you know what it is. I know, I know where we're going. You know where we're going. So um, my number one is a movie that is made by Sofia Coppola, set in Tokyo. It is lost in translation. Yes. Now, if I was ever, if we were ever to do a uh, episode in the future of like favorite movies of all time, mm-hmm. you probably will hear this one again Okay, from me. Right. But because I didn't know if we were going to be doing that, I nearly didn't put it in here specifically to save it for such an episode. However, we know who knows when that will happen, if it will happen, and, yeah. and what. But Lost in Translation is a movie about people who are foreigners in Tokyo, mm. completely lost, mentally, spatially. So Bill Murray plays a character called Bob, Bob Harris. Yep. And Bob is a an actor who is in Tokyo to do some advertising for Suntory Whiskey. Suntory Whiskey. For relaxing times. Make it Suntory times. A, a real whiskey company. It is. Not even a fake one. Quentin Tarantino uses bloody what, red apple cigarettes because he can't, doesn't want to use his own. <laughs> red apples. Suntory, actual whiskey. But no, he's there. And from the opening scene of this movie, it starts with Bill Murray in the back of a taxi, driving through Shinjuku, past Kabukicho, like the red light district and stuff like that. And he's looking out the window just in awe of everything he's seeing. Mm. I remember watching Lost in Translation, I think it was actually after we went. I don't think I watched it back in the first time. 
I watched it before I went back the second time. Mm. And I think that helped a lot in kind of forming my opinions of this movie because when I first got to Japan the first time, obviously I went, I got there before you did. Mm-hmm. And I remember coming into Japan and just being like into, into Tokyo and just having that same kind of, you know, bewildered look on my face of like, where the fuck am I? What is this place? Yeah. It was fascinating. But I wasn't immediate, I wasn't immediately enamored with, with Tokyo either. Like it didn't, at the start I was very kind of, you know. What drew you there in the first place? My love of anime when I was a young kid, right. basically. But I was really intimidated by Tokyo. Yes. And that's kind of the start of, of Lost in Translation. Bob is very intimidated by Tokyo. Scarlett Johansson's character is very intimidated by Tokyo because she's there with her husband who's a photographer doing all kinds of stuff. He's very confident. She's trying to find herself and they end up finding each other. The beautiful thing about Lost in Translation is it shows you every single part of Tokyo in a journey. From the start of the the culture shock of getting there, looking out the window going, what is this? So, you know, going to the going on an excursion and walking around the temples and just seeing people in daily life doing their prayers and stuff like that, but not really understanding it. From there, you go into them exploring the nightlife with, you know, with friends and family, all the while trying to navigate the awkwardness that is the politeness of the Japanese people. Mm. So Bob gets out of the um, the elevator and granted it's the Park Hyatt, which is like one of the most expensive hotels yeah, yeah, in, to- yeah. in Tokyo to stay at. But he gets out of the of the lift and immediately he's bombarded by everybody just trying to be the most polite and friendly person to him. And he's almost like, you can tell, he's like, get, get away from me. This is too much. Just let me go to bed. You know, he's just got off the flight. And it takes you on that kind of that kind of that ride. And then the nightlife in Japan mm. is eclectic. Mm. It's all over the place. Scarlett Johansson has friends in Japan who take them to these like little dingy underground bars and stuff like that, which is all over Tokyo, everywhere. Yeah. If you if you're willing to explore and like yeah. and do that kind of stuff, a lot of I think a lot of people who go to Tokyo only see the kind of the facade. Yeah, and, and if you don't know where to look, because yeah. those things will be up on the twenty first floor or the yeah. seventh floor. Just if you, don't, if you don't know it's up there, yeah. you can't read the signs. Yeah. You're just going to walk right past it. it I, I, I went to um I went to Roppongi once, right? Now Roppongi is one of the the touristy drinking places, like the touristy nightlife places, which I despise. I hate Roppongi mm. because it's full of like a lot of foreigners, right? But I remember I went there with, I think it was Craig, and we went and we found this little whiskey bar literally in the basement of an apartment block. We saw a little sign that had a little whiskey thing on it, and we were like, let's go see what that is. I think that was me. I remember a whiskey bar. Was it you? Whiskey bar of Rapongi. I remember being, I remember like agreeing that we both just found the whole place a bit offsetting and yeah. not really what we wanted, and we found like a really nice little whiskey bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. We, do we play electronic darts afterwards? I mean... Probably. <laughs> That doesn't really help distinguish the evening. That's like every every, every other night. Maybe it was you then, yeah. But I but I remember that that kind of part of like. But Lost in Translation is just like an absolute journey of everything that it is to go to Japan yeah. as a foreigner. Yeah, like it's just and even down to the um the flower ceremony. Like Scarlett Johansson is just exploring the hotel even, and she walks into these late old ladies doing like the I can't remember what it's called, but like they. They place flowers in a certain arrangement in a vase, very yeah, simplistic, yeah, yeah, very, yeah. very minimalist. Yeah. And she just walks in and she's just guided over and just starts doing it. But the the story as a whole is well, oh, and obviously Bob goes on Japanese TV, yeah. which is you know a whole different world together. A whole different world. You know, because you're going from these really ho- these really kind of dull lows for most of the movie. Yeah, that sounds yeah. fun, doesn't it? Yeah. But like it's kind of like just kind of normal, and they're trying to you know find their way, and then it just kind of goes. And just takes off. Once they start find, once they find themselves, 
and they start going and they start enjoying themselves in Tokyo, you know, the whole movie just becomes this, you know, this celebration of, of each other, of life, of everything there. And the reason I love it so much is because it, I feel it mirrored my experience yep. of when I went to Japan the first time. Yeah, right. Like those first month, that first month or so before you got there, yeah, I was not enjoying my life at all. No, no, um, no. But then once my Scarlett Johansson got there. Being me. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. What did you What did you whisper into my ear that time, Liam? <laughs> You'll no one will ever know. Yeah, yeah no one yeah. will ever know. That time we stayed at the the Hyatt Regent. What's it called? The Park Hyatt. The Park Hyatt. That's yeah. time we stayed at the Park Hyatt. Yeah. But you know, I actually went to the um, I went to the bar. You know, there's a jazz bar that, at the very top floor that overlooks all of Tokyo. Oh, really? You can go in there. Yeah, sure. It's it's just a regular bar. Yeah. You know, you don't go on the weekends because they charge you a massive um, cover charge. Yeah. But yeah, if you go there just before sundown and you're in before the cover charge starts, you can get yourself a, a cocktail and, and watch the sunset over. Is that the bar? The, the bar, yeah. That's the bar? The same That's bar. That's on the top level? Um, yeah. Wow. It's cool. a nightmare to find it. Like, it's a real nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, you have to walk through a lot of the, a lot of the hotel. Because the hotel doesn't start until, like, the 75th floor or some shit. <laughs> you know what I find fascinating about that movie is that it's such a little movie. Yes, like the story is such a little story. Like it's yeah. so small. Yeah. But yet it's become this classic. Yeah. Like everyone knows kind of lost in translation. Like yeah. and that hotel is yes. probably very famous now and people people always probably was of a, of high esteem. Mm. But now people probably travel just to go see the the park hire. There are tours you can do of like oh get the karaoke scene. Mm. It's a, like the karaoke scene at the end of their night out, they end mm. up in a karaoke booth that overlooks like one of the streets in Shinjuku. That's a like a hugely sought after yeah. tourist spot now. Yeah, like you can do yeah. Lost in Translation tours around Tokyo. Yeah, like all the different spots they go to and and and, and see. Um, I find it like just reflecting even on like Battle Royale. Yeah, this whole idea of when things enter society, enter the culture at the time, mm. you know, they don't often hit with revenants that they will maybe one day be hit with. Sure. If you look at a lot of the real classics. Like a lot of like really staunch kind of films that that, that have become absolute classics. Fight Club is a perfect example. Mm. Box office failure, absolute disaster. Yeah, Lost in Translation, small film, but I think it was quite successful at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Battle Royale. Yeah. Um, you know anything that's not American, it's considered alternatives like s- cinema. But it's become this, like you say, all like so many video. Like it's it's, it's become a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Once it hits the the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And I find it's fascinating when you look back at when you look back at some of the things and where they've kind of come from. Like, I th- what was it about Lost in Translation that, that struck such a nerve? Well, that's the thing, and I think it's one of those movies that it it definitely struck a nerve with me that it won't with a lot of other people. Yeah, which is you know, I guess most movies. Yeah, you know, I just described life. Some some things, but, but it did with a lot of people. I mean, it, yeah. it, what, see, what was interesting about Lost in Translation is that I loved it when I first saw it, and when I came back from Japan, I was like, I want to watch Lost in Translation again. Mm. And I watched it and I didn't. It didn't resonate as much. Is that right? And I was. I think it was because I simply couldn't afford the life that was being represented in the film. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they're in a taxi, you know? Like, Oh, yeah. Taxis in Japan are stupid expensive. We never caught taxis. No. <laughs> like they're in this, made a money? They're in this barbecue <laughs> bar where they've got the big and you know, the big meat platters that come out. Mm. Like, we can never afford that. Oh, that, that, that we probably could find somewhere we can afford. Well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. Uh, we got to go back, man. So, well, we do have to go back. We got to go back. We do have to go back. I'll take you some barbecue meat places. I know some places. I remember going to lots of yakitori places. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to lots of barbecue grill places, but a place where you get the whole 
the whole the whole shebang. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I, I need to check off. In fact, I need to go back to um, I need to go back to Japan anyway. Uh, you do. That's just a general rule. Yeah, it's I just have to. I have to go back. It's not even a question. It's been way too long. So, lost. Well, Jason, did you give um? Did you give Kill Bill any star? Any any Rising Suns? I feel like I've been giving all the four, Rising four. four, four Rising Suns and a half. I was going to say, I think four probably and four and a half Rising four Suns. It's as close. It's as close. It's it's as close to five in that moment in the cinema as anything's ever gotten. Really, yeah. Well, I'm 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 going to give I'm going to give Lost in Translation. I'm going to give it four mm-hmm. Rising Suns because mm-hmm. it's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, mm. but the. It's just uh, it's just it's just special, man. Yeah, it's it just special to me. Like yeah, it is. you know, I, I I watched it again the the other day, and every time I watch it, it's just just as it gets me just as much. Yeah, yeah. Every time, yeah. Bit of a change of pace for the uh, podcast this week um, from last week. Yeah, it is. Yeah, which is which is good. I think it's a, you know we pigeonhole ourselves into one that's particular right. style, and that's what we enjoy about ranking stuff. Yeah, so we we take pride. In fact, we endeavour yes to be able to rank. Anything. Anything at all. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Give it to us. Yeah. So tune in next week yeah. for another round of <laughs> ranking. Who knows what we're going to be doing next week? Who knows, Liam? Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us for another another episode of Off That's Rank. Thanks for taking a, a journey with us to the, the, the realm of Japanese cinema. I'm not too sure why I said it like that, mm-hmm. but that's how it came out of my mouth. Rob, any last words before we uh, let everyone go? Just really to... Um Check out Habana Sparks. Out of all of this. Out of all of this. No, if nothing else. Nothing else. It's the most accessible, to be fair. It's accessible, and yeah. I, have, I I get the sense that most people wouldn't have seen it. Like I think a lot of people would have seen Lost in Translation, Kill Bill, Battle Royale, yeah. Fireworks, and Habana Sparks, probably the two that would be lesser known. Yeah. That would have touched on. Yep. I haven't seen Fireworks myself. I look forward to watching it. I reckon you will love it. I look forward to it. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Until next week. Take care.